This is High School Not So Much a Musical, a podcast that takes you on a ride through the peaks and valleys of a high school journey. Here are your presenters, Nitin Jaladanki and Ayush Agarwal. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of High School Not So Much a Musical. Today we're joined by two very special guests, Jonathan Brutt and Matthew, who are the hosts of their own podcast, Blue State Conversations, where they essentially talk about how in today's society, we, be, we have become less receptive to other people's opinions, and we tend to become hyper-focused on our own. And this leads to a concept of, called hyperpolarization, where both sides of the aisle, both conservatives and liberals, tend to not agree on any issue and no progress happens. So uh, thank you to Jonathan and Matthew. And if you all could talk about a little bit of your own podcast and also a little more about you know um, this issue that we're having in society, That'd be great. Sure. Thank you very much for having us on. Uh, very excited to be here. Um, basically, one of the things that we noticed, especially when we started this podcast, and one of the reasons for it is that um, uh, too many people have ideas that they, they want to communicate, but they're not able to. And what that leads to is a lot of uh, tension, a lot of frustration, and a lot of incomplete communication that can result in anger it can result in division and so those things um would just became an, a real problem where we would have things like friends of ours would not be able to understand that we agreed with them because they weren't able to process how anybody could come to a slightly different they, they, di they didn't know how to put together the information they weren't they were told that only a certain outcome could be the the outcome um, and then what that did is it people who you know generally agreed you could be 80 percent agreeing with somebody it did not matter because the people were not able to understand why somebody might think differently the information that they were presenting and how that may differ with them so one of the things we just noticed over time was that th this division was not just political because there's, there's always been a democrat republican argument there's always been that but it is it's filtered down into the just the regular citizens talking to each other definitely yeah and the exact issue as you mentioned is a lack of responsiveness to other people's ideas in the essentially uh, so um if you could talk a little bit more about how you two got started with your own podcast like who you all are your background i know uh, in your matchmaker bios, you talk about like your political science degrees and also your software degrees, like your interest in investing, software, et cetera. So if you could describe, you know, your both of your backgrounds, uh, how you two met and anything the listeners know before we get started with the actual like topic of politics and civil discourse. Sure. So uh, I'll take this one. Uh, Matthew and I met back when we were in college and back then, uh, you know, we went to a college that was a bit more conservative, but we both come from slightly bluer, but more middle of the road. Well, I'm something from, from a slightly more middle of the road state. And so we, we then like left the state that we come from and moved to other states that were in a similar mindset. And then a few years passed and 
Matthew called me and was like, hey, so I've noticed these types of things that, that are going on, kind of like the shift that he was talking about, people not being able to communicate this way. And that got us really talking over the past couple of years about how we could create a space where it's okay to talk about a lot of different situations from a lot of different perspectives. And back when we were in college, it, it, that's the kind of the place where there's a lot of different ideas coming at you. There's uh, different perspectives from uh, the professors, there's different perspectives from different students. And in, in high school, uh, you guys can speak to this, but there's a lot more of an echo uh, from where people all side from one direction and discourse kind of gets shut down. In college, sometimes it's like that, but there's a lot more ideas around and people hold their, their footing on what they believe so much stronger that you tend to have a lot more discourse, but people don't necessarily uh, have knowledgeable discourse or open conversation where they're willing to discuss conversation topics to the point of, hey, I'm willing to consider a different point of view and maybe even change my, my point of view depending on how we communicate. And then post-college, you kind of get into this, you know, people you know, talk about entering the real world well, it's not quite like that. Where what you have is uh, you have personal like situations where you have your family, where they're a specific type of, of group. And then you have your workplace where sometimes it's not quite right to talk about things, but sometimes it is. And then you have like other third party groups, like uh, you might have a church body or you might have uh, some kind of social club and those have more conversations as well. And right. so we kind of pulled all those different types of perspectives. And now uh, in the quote working world, uh, we're kind of breaking down those conversations and having conversations with the two, with you with you guys and also with with other people running podcasts and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah, and I'm looking at you know your Spotify page right now, and something that's very interesting is the podcast that you had about how democracy is the best way to represent people because I feel like there's been a growing discussion lately about how um you know some american elections might make it so that way a plurality of uh, that way the candidate who gets a plurality of votes wins instead of a majority so even if a candidate gets like 40 percent of the votes they will still win if they get more votes than all of the other um candidates but that doesn't necessarily mean they represent a majority of people because a majority would be greater than 50 percent so um, could you all talk about, you know, just a little bit more about American elections? Because uh, we're actually going into an election year this year where we're going to yes, be true. Uh, go, like electing the House of Representatives again and then uh, a third of the Senate. So it'd be interesting to see how exactly um, American elections work. Yeah. Mid-year elections. It's always, always a good time. Um, yeah, so American elections um, are definitely an, an interesting beast um, because we, one of the things is we're, we're one of the first people to come up with the idea that elections should represent factions. They shouldn't represent um, just a straight majority. Um, one of the big things, and we talked about this actually in that episode that you're bringing up, is that one of the things that the founders really did not like and that had been generally proven is that democracy typically is not the best way to run a government because it is very volatile like just think of how fast people's opinions change on just just a random person on the internet right how fast can somebody go from 
millions of followers you know everyone's hanging on their every word to the next day it's like they're, they're they've just been forgotten um they really want to avoid a lot of that stuff so the way we, we conduct elections is, is actually kind of complicated because what they want to do is they want to represent the majority because they they do believe that the majority should have its say but they want to make sure that the majority is not simply running right over the minority that it is not simply just always about the majority deciding we're going to do this now because whenever that happens in history what's typically happened is the majority has oppressed the minority um you, you can think about uh, the jim crow laws um you can think about uh, the catholic ver catholic versus protestant wars right you have the catholic countries and the protestant countries if you were a protestant in a catholic country good luck if you were vice versa um typically when somebody is in the majority they tend to want to put in place stuff that helps them and if it kind of maybe sort of just ruins your entire life that's okay because we're the smart guys we know what we want to do we we have a good reason for this and that's where a lot of um tyranny comes from um yeah as, as i think the quote is you know a tyranny sincerely exercised meaning somebody who says hey look I, i'm I'm putting you in prison for your own good. That's, you know, the Japanese internment camps would be, for example. So the, the term for this is democratic backsliding. That's something that, that would pop up uh, for, as a definition where that's the gradual decline of the quality of democracy. And if it goes unchecked, it eventually becomes authoritarian. That's correct, yeah. Which would, um, I think Plato was, would, was very of that opinion. You have, an, you have a democracy and then it'll turn into a, it'll turn into a dictator. Um, and we've seen enough. that before. Um, yes. I, I guess any, let's see, who else? Uh, I was just realizing um, some of like the biggest despots that we've ever seen came from democracy, yes. um, eventually become authoritarian. I mean, wouldn't that, that would have probably been a good example of uh, Nazi Germany. Yeah, the, yeah, the Weimar Republic and then the- The Weimar Republic, exactly. Yeah. I was like, what um, came before? The, a lot of the socialist <laughs> revolutions um, talked about, you know, their republics. They, they call themselves that because, um, and then all of a sudden they're murdering millions of people. Um, so yeah, that's- Which is obviously a huge, like, it, it, yeah. it, it, you can backslide that far or you, I mean, it didn't happen fast, obviously. The Weimar Republic no. didn't like just collapse in, an, in a moment. In, in one year, yeah. There's a lot of little steps, but to bring this back just to specifically American elections, um, one of the, the big discussion right now is about having secure elections. And that's that's one of the, the you have to have a, a populace that's confident that the electoral outcome is the outcome that is supposed to happen. Um, neither side is confident in that. Um, 2016, the Democrats thought that the Russians stole the election for Trump. And then um, everybody remembers um, basically a year ago. Um, we have January, the, the January 6th anniversary coming up. So it, when you lose confidence in your elections, you, um, it's the, a lot of the power of the elected officials goes away because again, power comes from the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and our setup is our setup is based around a localized source of power. Your local elections are supposed to matter more than your Senator, than your, than the, than the Senate elections. 
your or even the house or even the house your governor should matter a lot more than your than those it's and we've not seen that, the that. Don't matter, we've, we've seen that outcome as well so it yeah. like the the concept of what florida is doing differently than california it's very much based off of what the governor says not necessarily what biden says even though biden's words will echo across the country yeah so it it, it is true we it's um basically the design is federalism and then part of the problem with why our elections have become so fraught is we've started to nationalize almost every conversation. I mean, we just, my my state just changed all of their exit numbers because the federal government said, well, we'll, we'll only give you money for your roads if you make the exit numbers this way. Like, why, why, why who, who cares about the exit numbers? We all have GPS, like this is not an issue. But <laughs> a lot of the, but what's happening is, is as more and more decisions for everyone are made at the federal level, as we pass four trillion, five trillion, six trillion, ten trillion dollar bills, with regularity, you know, four, six, ten thousand pages. That's when your elect your election system starts to break down slightly because they're not supposed to be making all those decisions, and they're just it's becoming a small group of people at the top because they're not supposed to make all the decisions, so it's supposed to be small, and then they're going to just expand exponentially, which is. Um, the, it's the uh, the delegation principle where Congress actually tells the executive branch that they're supposed to do some of Congress's job, which is not how the, the setup. So you, you see the breakdown starts to happen at the electoral level because what matters more by this point is whether your team is in, not whether good people are in. Because your team is going to make sure that your big your your big legislation, the next six trillion dollar bill, is um favors your team rather than being well they have that bill and then i but i'm concerned about what my state's doing or what my city's doing because your state and city won't matter when you, the senators are the ones who are making all the decisions yeah and i like what you all said there earlier about like socialist regimes and how like for example uh the russian revolution you saw kind of like the decline from the republic into like almost anarchy and then the establishment of like the communist regime uh and that kind of expresses how a lot of people think that america actually is entering like a civil war phase almost because of the hyperpolarization, as you all mentioned that like it's gotten so extreme where neither side can really uh resolve any of their disputes towards like non-violence and they're kind of turning towards violence for example um a lot of like the Black Lives Matter riots we saw, they ended up in violence and they were also combated with violence from like from the right. So that resulted in like a lot of many like violent disputes actually. And so I kind of want to like know your perspectives on that. Like, do you think the country is headed in a direction of civil war in the near future if this hyperpolarization issue gets to even more of an extreme than what it already is. Yeah. Um, part of the thing is political differences have typically been the slowest way to actually cause a civil war. Usually the quickest way is when you have religious, cultural, or religious, cultural language, or geographic differences. Um, that becomes the quickest way. Political differences can last for a really, really, really long time. Um, 
and you'll always have some level of political differences. Um, I mean, we, even in this country, we had senators beating each other on the floor. Um, actually, I think, well, I was a House member, I think, walked to the Senate and beat a senator up with a cane because he was um, against slavery in the middle of a speech. I, you, you, you can't imagine, like, you know, if you just wanted to imagine something like, you know, Chuck Schumer just walking up to the podium and cracking Ted Cruz over the head, like that would, that's almost an unthinkable thing today, right? So we've had, and that didn't start a war right then. What you typically will see is kind of this, how everybody's moving. We have a geographical um, shift away from each other. There's the red states and there's the blue states and everybody kind of moves to those areas. And then those are separating from the rest of the country. Um, a lot of, you know, you used to have to kind of win with like 70%, like winning with 80% of the vote, like uh, the, the Reagan and Lyndon Johnson victories where they won like 48 and 49 states. That's really not going to happen anymore because instead of everyone kind of being scattered everywhere, people are congregating. So you have the blue cities versus the red rural and suburban and suburban's like purple. So you, you're really going to just have, you have to win the purple and then you're section that's how you that's how you win um, and it's and it's becoming more and more dangerous so like we we kind of noticed uh in 2020 2020 they did another census and yes. that impacts the number of house seats that each of the states get and it's there's a major change happening in populational differences where we're seeing New York and California for the first time in history lose house seats. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredible change because there used to be a time where everybody was flocking to New York, New York, and to California, LA, San Francisco. And that's not happening anymore. People are yeah, yeah. selling their houses, saying goodbye to the extra New York, New York City tax of like, it's like 20 or no, maybe it's like an extra 12% or something like that. Just like lopped off of your income. Uh, it's, so it's, it, it's so much. And, and in California, they're saying, well, my house is worth so much or my rent is so high that it's time to leave. And so we're seeing Texas and um, I think Ohio and Florida, like the, yep. the, the more the, 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 the more leaning red states uh, and purple states are getting more people flowing into them. And that could change the dynamic of the situation because where, where we are right now by the by the like uh, by the context of who votes for who is if Republicans don't show up to the poll, the poll, well, to the polls to, to vote, then Democrats almost always ish kind of win in a lot of different places because of the cities. But if more of those people are starting to move to other states, that can really change the dynamic where you might end up with more red states sucking up people who would have otherwise voted for a different candidate, but not enough to actually change it into being a purple state or into a, a blue state. And thus we end up with more and more laws where people are trying to unify their power so that the minority doesn't have a voice anymore. And so when, when, it, when I look at the context of, are we, are we wor working our way towards a civil war? I think that the, the issue is going to be that the people who would to the people who would want to fight such a war aren't necessarily the people who would win that war. So I, I, I yeah. tend to see a lot of the people who have the weapons not being the people who want to use them. It is a purely defensive motion to own lots of guns. 
most people aren't looking to be violent with those things, except there's always that there's always that 1% of people who go and misuse weapons, go and shoot up schools. Those people are not the majority of people who own guns in any way, shape or form. And so the people who are, who are tweeting are probably not the people to start a war either, but they are the people to voice their opinion about it. And so the, I think recently there was, uh, it, I think like national divorce or something was- That's uh, a big term, yeah. Yeah, that was, was being tweeted out. And I kind of take that into a bubble and say that's Twitter. There's a reason why that's Twitter where most people who are on there on the left and you don't see that in, let's say Facebook. Facebook is a more traditionally older platform. Older doesn't always mean redder, but the fact that it's not it's not really showing up there is a bigger deal. They're still on COVID because COVID is around with the latest surges. And it affects them more as and an it older affects population. Older population more, exactly. Yeah. So when we talk about what, like where does civil war go, I would say it's hot button right now, but it's kind of it's going to ease away. People don't really pay attention in the mid the midterms. Even people who get heated in 2020 are not going to get heated in 2022 because they're just not as interested. So to give you an example, um, we had the Virginia governor uh, was recently went red to yep. somebody that had Youngkin. no Youngkin, and he had no ex. Well, he didn't have a huge backing by anyone really and he straight up uh like told trump don't come here like don't come here there's no reason and they tried that the left and the democrats tried to say this person is trump that was the entire message and his message was uh taxes and school choice and uh what was it uh he doesn't he's not he's against critical race theory and the, the response was we don't teach critical race theory in our schools but we won't let you stop us from teaching critical race theory in our schools which is very bizarre it's a very strange message and he won he won on just this very like this very basic message and i was i, I get emails from democrats and republicans from across the country because why not just suck in what they tell their 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 teams I was getting messages from from one saying support this guy sent him money he's these three things and then i was getting these other ones that said this guy is evil he is trump go out right. to the polls those were the, the those were what i was seeing and so i'm not surprised anymore that people are starting to recognize that we don't vote for for somebody because we hate them or because i saw name recognition and i hate him trump's not on the ballot anymore Right. So hate doesn't work for very long. Hate yeah. doesn't work for very long. It works for a moment. And it really does. People get passionate, but passion burns fast. And, and then yeah. it burns out. And then you're left with nothing. So that's what happens is every four years, we kind of pump it up. And so the, the Democrats almost have to lose so that when they get to another two years from now, they've got enough passion in the bank to light the fuse and burn it off again and hope, hope to God, essentially, well, hope that they can blow it up so that people hate whoever is is the nominee for the republicans enough to show up and that the republicans get a candidate where they go i can't really support this guy so i'm not going to vote for him and then the democrats win so there's there's these right. these hyper polarizations and where it comes to now is it's unlikely to have a we're unlikely to have a civil war but the the bigger push is going to be is there enough passion 
from from Democrats against somebody who's not on the ballot to fight somebody who's not talking about that person who's not on the ballot. And I think we're going to see that that just doesn't that just doesn't happen. The no, Republicans I... historically come out to midterm elections and a Democrats, lot more. Uh, Democrats typically don't. And you're going to notice I, I, you guys have talked to us before about like the high school that you guys go to and a bit more of or um, a bit more about like the types of people that you ran into. Those people are going to be oddly quiet for the year. Like it, it's just it's weird. Like I have I have friends on Facebook that in 2020 they were talking they were literally posting about how they were going to fight. They were like, I will fight. That was a quote from <laughs> from a mutual friend of ours. Yes. And they were, and we uh, were all caps. All caps, I will fight. And we both like across the internet, like gave each other side eye, like, no, you're not going to do that. No. And then two years later, this year happens. I don't think I'll see a single post from this person all year about politics. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and that's why I was saying earlier that political political divides tend to not be as quick because you can get very passionate, you can get very heated, but it doesn't tend to last very long. It's very hard. You have to have like a real deep-seated thing. And typically it comes down to that sort of cultural, if there's like a language difference. That's why the most concerning thing to me is the fact that the left and the right have evolved their own language. Um, mm. Freedom is not a term that both sides agree on and have different ways of implementing. It's or too completely a patriot different. Or yeah. if being you're a patriot or nationalist. You can't call yourself a patriot if you're on the left. Like if you were on the left and said, look, I'm a patriot, but I believe in X and Y and Z. They'd be like, no, 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 patriots. That's that patriots are those guys who like riot on the right. They're the, they're the right wing insurrectionists. Mm -hmm. That's a and patriot. in the same way. You can't say BLM the same way, but people no. say BLM two different ways. They say I idealize BLM, but you can also say I support BLM the movement or I support BLM the uh, what is it? The the organization, uh, the organization where most people would say Black Lives Matter, but the organization does not represent the values of black people in America. Yeah. So there's that there's there's the geographic, as we said, you know, if everybody red moves to red areas and everybody blue moves to blue areas, then you can suddenly start getting that can trigger something where one where, you know, let's say the red the reds elect into power their guy. And so the blues say no, like the right the city where you have sanctuary cities sanctuary states or vice versa like where the blue guy gets elected and then the red the red states go no that's where you can start getting some real some real stuff but typically political stuff will not do it right away it's that lower level stuff amongst people where they again they are not able to communicate with each other they don't live with each other they're not interested in each other anymore and they start to view each other as more of an other just because they almost don't exist in their area Thank you so much to Will and Matthew for their thoughts in, in part one of this three-part series with Blue State Conversations. Make sure to check out their own podcast, which I'll be sure to link in the description. It's super interesting. They have some great guests on and they delve deep into specific political theories. Be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you and see you next time. High School Not So Much A Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal and Nitin Jaladanki. Narration by Samhit Padala. Music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.